Hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Matt. Welcome to the Strange and Beautiful Book Club. It's time for another vampire episode. We've moved out of disco vampires. Vampire movies of 1979, part six. I think it's part six because we only have Salem's Lot and Vlad Tepish left because, of course, we just watched Thirst. And if you're wondering from 1979, which is really hard to look up, (laughs) this comes back to our usual complaint about generic movie titles. Honestly, I would rather have movies titled like books where they have like the long, cool, sometimes like a mini sentence cover, you know, like manga. Have you heard about manga titles? No. Manga are notorious for having long titles. Okay. Like my entire class was summoned to another world except for me. See, I could get behind that shit. I'm no matter how you it. look at it, it is you guys' fault I'm not popular. <laughs> See, it gets you in the book. I'm already like, yeah. oh, what is that? I could read that. That sounds fun. My mental choices are completely interfering with my school romantic comedy. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, just, uh, I just Googled long This is titles, happening but. in the book world right now, too, where it's like, this is the blank of blank and blank. Okay, guys, calm down. I actually didn't. How about The Hobbit or There and Back Again? I mean, that's a good title. I'm talking about bad titles. Like, there have been books that I have not read because I thought I read them because it's The Kingdom of Blood and Blank. I just wanted to give a reference point, some context to you can have good titles that are also like a unique identifier of that content. Yeah. And yeah, I can see one like motivation Mm -hmm. for having a very generic single word title. Because if it's popular enough, then like if your movie is successful enough, that single word becomes like a pop culture reference to your movie. Yeah. So then you have this really short, like snappy. Kleenex. You're trying to like, be so definitive, you define You're the trying category. to lose the trademark. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. But on this movie, yeah. definitely not justified in like it's, an attempt to subvert the entire like pop culture definition of the word thirst. Thirst. <sighs> You know what? When this movie came out, it might have been one of the first movies called Thirst. But since then, there's about 75 million. And you have to sort through all of them to find this one. But we are specifically referencing the movie Thirst from 1979, which is considered an Osploitation film. Because it is an Australian vampire Uh. movie. And they actually imported two actors for this, uh, both British. And they were going to have more, but apparently at the time, they had a limit on the number of foreign actors that you could use in a movie production. What? Yeah. So they were like, "Mm -mm, sorry. Okay. I I have heard of this. You got to hire local. I have heard of this when... I get it. In places that are popular for people to like travel. Yeah. um, Like Canada. Yeah. what are they Toronto. called? Uh, destination filming, like yeah. de- like a destination wedding. Yeah. And the local regulations will say, hey, a lot of people are coming here to film and they're like shipping in like 200 people right. for the entire production crew and extras and the regular no. cast and all that. No, you're not allowed to do that Correct. because it's so disruptive to our economy. Yeah. Uh, 
you need to hire local people. I have to imagine when they filmed the Hunger Games in North Carolina, they waived that. They were like, no, don't hire the locals. <laughs> I can say that because I'm from North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've been here since. I'll bet, yeah. Uh, 1989. Yeah. You know the movie Deliverance? I'm just going to leave it there. Okay, so. Deliverance. Uh, I was trying to think of that movie. I was trying to tell somebody about it Yeah. when I was in California. I was like, here's this movie <laughs> that, that pretty much if, where if we you live. want like the worst stereotypes of rural North Carolina, yeah, watch this movie. But I could not remember the name of the movie Deliverance. Just a short anecdote. So you get the context of what we're talking about. We have two local public pools, both of which ban life jackets. Ban. Flotation devices. Flotation devices. Completely including life jackets. Including life jackets, including Coast Guard approved flotation devices. So as a personal small mission over the summer, I decided to get it so that we could, either they would have life jackets available for use for accommodation for people who require accommodation for swimming, or, you know, just Honestly, who bans life jackets? So I thought this was going to be like, a oh, maybe you guys haven't reviewed this rule in a while. Just take a look at it. You know, um, there's Americans with Disability Act and lots of other things that uh, really mean you should probably have accommodation for people that require it. And I ended up having to go before the city council and give a speech about the value of life jackets which they then had a special secret meeting of the city council, the director of Parks and Rec, and a whole bunch of lifeguards, where they proceeded to talk about how life jackets hold you underwater. Um, life jackets contribute to problems in the water, and that the uh, only children fall out of life jackets. Children fall out and drown. Um, and the only way to prevent drowning is swimming lessons. And at no point did we discuss the types of children for whom swimming lessons will never be of value. Anyway, that's all online. Um, I'm not going to share it, but I just want to put out there that literally I had to fight for life jackets this summer. Because rural North Carolina. Because rural North Carolina. So back to thirst. <laughs> back to thirst. <laughs> um I don't know. It's a trip. I really don't want to talk through this movie chronologically because it was like 18 and a half hours long. Like, I would say the the plot is fairly simple. Yeah. Okay. There's a woman. There is a woman. There's a secret, kind of secret. They don't try that hard to hide it. Group of people who drink blood. Yeah. The Brotherhood. The Brotherhood. The Brotherhood thinks this woman that we've introduced is special because of her history, ancestry, whatever. Yeah. And for their own... Self-gratification? Uh, yeah. I guess their their own... Uh, it's a little bit like the plot of The Invitation. Pause for laughter that The Invitation had a plot. But the plot of Invitation and the game had a weird-ass baby. And it came out in 1979. Yeah. So they think she needs to be a member of the, the elites of the Brotherhood. Yeah. But she doesn't already drink blood. So we need to convince her that she wants to drink blood. Because she's and a grown-ass cool. woman living her life. She's busy. She's busy. She got a cat and a man with a mustache. She ain't got time for this shit. <laughs> so, so they abduct her. Mm -hmm. And the rest of the movie is a, in my opinion, well-done perspective of someone who's being psychologically manipulated, like, to an extreme degree. I believe the way Meg described this was, I don't know what happened, but I wasn't bored. Yeah. 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 I, I, I don't know what happened, but I wasn't bored. A lot bored. of it's supposed to be disjointed because yeah. she's being manipulated and brainwashed that's why it's kind of like the game you're yeah. not sure what's real and what's not real yep. is this in her head did they literally create these spaces for her to move through we don't know and so the experience of the movie is the this sequence of escalating 
psychological manipulation. Yeah. Where they're using drugs and drugs and drugs. <laughs> it's the 70s. <laughs> they don't know about to, human minds yet. They just <laughs> to put her into altered states of consciousness. I think so. while they like role play things with her. I think somewhere around two thirds of the way through the movie or I don't know, at a certain point I just lost all touch with reality, kind of like she did. And they say, we're going to begin this program of psychic manipulation. And what we're going to do is create these periods of heightened emotional stress followed by relief and then heightened emotional stress followed by relief. And that way we can kind of lure her in slowly. But if you pay attention to the movie that has been happening the whole time. So, like, at the very beginning, they're like, hey, you're a vampire. So they capture her. She's supposed to be going on vacation. And her mustachioed architecture boyfriend <laughs> cannot come Derek. with her. Derek. cannot come with her. <laughs> this movie's so 70s, and I love it. There's a scene where they're, like, making out. Oh, God, her whole house is amazing. I want her kitchen. And then, I don't know, she has, like, an animal skin rug in front of this giant fireplace, which is sure is exclusively for having sex with mustachioed men on. Like, that's what that's... Uh, yeah, that's Why else do you when, have an animal skin rug in front of your fireplace? When the architect drew up the plans for the house... Yeah, he was like, it was, sex pit, conversation pit, <laughs> sex pit. Sex animal skin rug. <laughs> right there. Just drew a little clip of it. Implied fireplace. Yeah. <laughs> There's a fire in it. It's fine. Uh, and it's weird because he's naked. She's hot. Um, we don't get a lot of weird 70s nudity. Maybe because of where it was filmed. Maybe it's just in contrast to Dracula Blows is cool. Like, <laughs> where are all the tits? So we can't. We, she, she's supposed to be going on vacation. He can't come, as we know, because he has a phone conversation where he has like a rotary dial on the bottom of his phone. It's high tech. Meg was like, what is that? I was like, it's a phone. It's got the rotary dial on the bottom. He's High tech, you know, that way it took up less space. You just like set it down and it right. was all And on. it visually, yeah, you can have like the 60s, 70s, like amorphic shape, like desk stuff. Yeah. <laughs> desk and, stuff. Oh, what's this thing? Look at the bottom. It's a phone. Oh. <laughs> what's this thing? Oh, it's just a paperweight. What's this thing? <laughs> pencil oh, sharpener. It's, yeah, the pencil sharpener, but the holes yeah. in the bottom. So this buys them time because she's going on vacay with nobody. So nobody's going to be missing her. So they and kidnap it's... her. She hangs up the phone and they kidnap her immediately. And they take her to their vampire hippie commune in the in the woods. The farm. Which I guess this was an actual commune that they were like, hey, can we use this for filming? And they were like, sure, whatever. <laughs> so, I don't know. Maybe they're all the extras. <laughs> so they <laughs> go to funny. this commune thing and they're like, okay, so... Um, a long time ago, your ancestors changed their name to Davis, but just so you know, um, you're the descendant of Elizabeth Balthery. Here's our really old book that we're never, ever going to see again or reference again. And it has a picture of her and she's got a necklace on. See, doesn't it look like you? And she's like, you guys fucking kidnapped me. What the shit? And they're like, oh, she's so combative. She seems to recognize the name Elizabeth Balthery. Yeah, that's... Do you not know who that is? No. Oh, okay. Right, well, that would have added a lot of context for you. She's short, sort of the female anal like analogous to Dracula, where she, she was a real person, and she lived in this castle, and she was rumored to um, bathe in the blood of, like, other women to stay young. Ah, and she did yes. a bunch of weird fucked up shit. So she's like the female Dracula. Or gotcha. Dracula is the male Elizabeth Battery. It's actually like Elizabeth Battery or whatever. Okay. It's she's whatever. So she shows up a lot. <clears throat> she shows up a lot in like when we're talking about vampire archetypes. Gotcha. She's kind of the am I a vampire? Am I just a Disturbed human being. Disturbed human being doing disturbed, fucked up human being shit. You don't know. Another one that pops up a lot is Camilla, and she's like the first lesbian vampire. Gotcha. So that's a really oversimplification of all three of those stories, but just like a shorthand. Elizabeth Battery, you were supposed to be like, oh, shit. Seriously? 
I was not like, oh shit, seriously. You know what? It lends a unique perspective to this movie from you. And you know what? It doesn't really matter because it's the only time we talk about it. But it kind of explains why they are obsessed with making her their, making her one of them. Because it's like. She's the scion of the the ideal member of the group. Well, they're talking to that one guy who's extremely British looking. And I think he's like the British guy they imported. And. He says, we're going to get married and it'll be uniting the two greatest lines again. Oh, that's right. So I'm wondering yeah. if he's supposed to be like a descendant of Vlad Tepish and she's supposed to be a Dracula, like a descendant, a descendant of, you know, Elizabeth Battery. And then if we put them together, we get like mega vampire. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, it doesn't really matter all that much because we see this one picture, and for some reason, this woman has like fangs over the bottom of her lip, and they're like, "See, she has this necklace," and they say something about the necklace, but it doesn't honestly matter because we don't ever come back to it. She's like, "Y'all crazy," and they're like, "Oh, she's mad. We don't know why. She's super combative. We need to begin the process of psychological manipulation." So they drug her and put her in a room in a coffin. And they're going to yes. seal her in there until she breaks. So a theme throughout this movie was the contrast between the like lead woman and man in this like committee. Yeah. Where the guy is like, okay, we need to be careful with, with our like indoctrination, brainwashing, whatever, because we don't want to destroy her mind we want to like legitimately convince her yeah that what we're doing is worth doing and for her to want to do it with us and the woman is i don't know yeah. insane probably uh, if you want to wants, convince somebody she's fine with destroying the woman's mind yeah as long as in the end she's on their side. Cooperating. Yeah. Probably if you want to convince somebody to join you voluntarily, you don't put the 1979 vampire version of Dolores Umbridge in charge of convincing. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe you give her somebody closer to her age who's compassionate, who can sit with her and be like, hey, I went through this too. Yep. But honestly, it's not as bad as it looks. And There's a myriad of ways to go through this without um, drugs. And consistent, but I, I don't know if, and they theoretically have all the time in the world. Right. Because they abducted her. Yeah. She's, it's, it, nobody has cell phones. So, and once you're gone, they can't find you. Yeah. They seem wildly unconcerned about her maintaining her life, even though she's really wealthy and it would be a great way to bring wealth into the brotherhood. I don't know. I don't know, because once we lock her in the thing, in the room with the coffin, which is actually where we start the movie, uh, they let her out and they're like, oh, so sorry. Yeah, there's some there was some miscommunication that was uh, I, I don't know. And this is when we meet our sympathetic character. And I thought for a bit he was two for Howitt from Dune, but he's not. He's actually in some other stuff. He's in Gladiator. Um, and I forget what his name is. It's like Dr. Foster. Eric, I think. Uh, they call him a few times. Derek and Eric? God. Yes. Wow. At first, I thought they were both named Derek. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, what a coincidence. Uh, but the people on the committee refer to him a couple times as Eric. Dr. Frazier. That's his name. Sorry. Okay. Dr. Frazier. Uh, yeah, this was supposed to be a star-making feature for Chantelle Contouri, the lady who plays the main actress. Um, I don't know how when her only real acting that was required of her was just to stare blankly and or freak the fuck out. Yeah. She, I think she does the screaming well, pretty well. Yeah, the freaking the fuck out was fine. I think you said that it had the drama of an opera or some, some review said it yeah. had the drama. I don't know. <laughs> okay, Maybe at the so- very beginning. Looking up this movie, it has a 100% on the tomato meter. <laughs> it's when I pulled it up on RottenTomatoes.com, it said there were five reviews. So I scroll down to the bottom, and 
I think two of the reviews have text. Three of the reviews do not. Two of the five reviews link to dead pages. Yeah. And the other reviews seem to be talking about different thirst movies. It's like the first one that actually has like links to a live page, an actual web page that has content on it. That content seems to be talking about the Korean thirst movie. Thirst yeah, movie. which we also did. And the reviews at the five reviews at the bottom of the page were not all five out of five. So I think something in rottentomatoes.com database like yeah. linking movies to the reviews got Even mixed it's up. Even it's confused about thirst and so, thirst and thirst because we thirst. have we have like top critic reviews at the bottom of this page that are 3 out of 5 and 4 out of 5 or 3.5 out of anyway it doesn't matter. Yeah. They're not 100%. So I don't know why it has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. It we'd have to put in it's like a, a mental manipulation, ticket. just like this entire movie. Is it real? Is it not real? Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Um, we go through so much. She, we meet the people. The they are on. This is hard to get out. They are on a dairy farm, but the cows are people, and they, they even are, call the people blood cows. Yeah. And they are like free range organic. They get to just spend time outside, relaxing and enjoying themselves. They have to go through a whole health screening yeah. to like join the farm. They have to have never received antibiotics. Uh, allergy causing penicillin. Yeah. Well, I mean, at the time, that was it. Yeah. You sick? Here's penicillin. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Uh, they have to have never received antibiotics, so they are organic. This is established. And, you know, I wonder, no, because if you receive antibiotics, you would have those antibodies. So there's no way to, like, wait and flush that out. I don't know. And then they, they have a whole, we see this huge facility that they have, which is like a pasteurization process, really, where they harvest blood from these people. And then they put them in these giant vats, which is absolutely too much blood for the number of people at this oh, time. Oh, yes. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Unless they're, I don't know. I don't know. And we meet some of the, like our cast of characters, all of whom are just gross, except the one guy, which is kind of a Dr. Frazier, who is actually kind of a, psychic, a psychological manipulation on the audience because you end up liking him. Right. And he's just as despicable as everybody else. But since he's our character that represents periods of relief, we like him too. So this movie is actually better than you think it is. Yes, in retrospect. In retrospect. It's just, you know what you have to do? I don't know if we talk about context lenses as much on Strange and Beautiful Book Club as we do in Coming to 81 Kilo. But you really have to put yourself in the 1979 mindset for what you want this woman to do right what is it like to live in 1970s i don't know yeah stereotypically western cultures i wanted this woman to freak out and burn this shit down the whole movie at every moment i wanted her to like inhabit her power because they keep telling her she's super powerful she's one of their leaders she's you know, she's the descendant of this great line, and she's like, <laughs> right. the whole there, movie. There's a trope, a now. good trope, yeah, but like a mythological trope yeah. of you, you're trying to awaken something super powerful, yeah, and exploit it. So you are like, very carefully controlling the conditions that the thing gets awakened in an effort to make the thing friendly to you, cooperative yeah. with you, so that you have some control over it. But you aren't careful enough, or maybe it's impossible, 
Because when it is awakened, it's aware that you were the one trying to manipulate it. Yeah, pride goeth before the fall. And and then the thing that gets awakened destroys you. And that's what I wanted. That I think if that had happened, I'd have been like, mm, this is my new favorite vampire movie. But no. No. At no point. This is Right. I kept waiting for her to finally like for her to have been subconsciously aware of this thing with sleeping within her. Yeah. The whole time and her like extreme resistance to participating in the blood drinking is yeah. because she knows what she'll become on some level what she will be letting out. Yeah. If she if she does it. That's what I wanted. That's not what happens. And then she does and they team up and yeah. destroy the whole the entire group. Yeah, but what does she become in the process? Right. Mm, perfect. That's that's a chef kiss of a movie. I was with this movie all the way up till she escapes because that's part of the psychological manipulation. And she ends up stealing a truck from this guy who has a farm adjoining the farm, except it's an actual farm. And she gets kind of down the road and then it runs out of gas. And so she does like she gets out and she's smelling all the containers to figure out which one has gas. She's putting gas in the car. It was like, dang, this woman is smart. I'm really excited. We're really moving. She's making really intelligent choices. We're not relying on contrived plot devices that just drive me up the wall. This is great. And then she tries to get in the car and restart it and it won't start. And a car drives up along beside her and it's our vampire Dolores Umbridge. And she's like, oh, well, we'll just take you back. Don't worry. Oh, you were, she was going out to greet the people yeah, you on come the with way me. to the event. And instead of getting out of the car and running, literally doing anything, she just sits there and they come and get her out of the car. And that's when we really start the downward spiral of drug induced psychosis but i just the fact that she just sat there i was like oh no this is how the rest of this movie's gonna go and wouldn't you fucking know it, it's how the rest of the movie goes because there's finally a scene where and this is kind of a cool trippy scene where she thinks she's back at her house or she thinks she's having like a romantic liaison with Derek. yeah a, her, a romantic her rented, picnic by her the rented lake. tom Selleck mustachioed hunk man and they end up, she's like, oh, I'm so glad to see you. Let's bang on this. And Meg was like, no, no, you're getting pond scum in there. Stop, stop. <laughs> so the thing that came into my mind, duck I poop. think, uh, yeah. So <laughs> Meg was like, you're getting duck, duck poop up there. <laughs> so in the U.S., I don't know when it became really prevalent, but there are certain lakes where you have a lot of ducks, where there's a parasite. It's a duck-snail combo. Yeah, a duck-snail-parasite duck cycle. Yeah. And so there are there are lakes where, like, if you see a lot of ducks, you don't go in the water. Yeah. Because the parasite will see get to human skin and be like, ooh, I'm going to get in here and... Yeah, whatever, proceed with my life yeah. cycle. Uh, but it just causes... Um, sores. Itchy uh, sores. Yeah. Yeah. And I forget Called what they call itch. it. Swimmer's itch. Yeah. Um, it's so a thing. I'm wondering if... it Has this never been a thing in Australia? It's possible. It's not a thing in the southern U.S. That's true. It's only where we're from and originally, which is in Michigan. And it's where like you have a specific type of duck, you have a specific type of snail... The duck feces contains the eggs for the worms. They hatch. They end up embedding themselves in the snail. The duck eats the snail and starts the life cycle all over again. Yeah. But in the meantime, they're free floating in the water. And so if you get in the water, they will try to embed themselves in your skin. It's not a pleasant experience. Um, and it's called swimmer's itch. But So that, that was my like gut reaction <laughs> to her jumping in the water. It's like, there's a lot of ducks here. No, no. <laughs> um that also but i think so we see derek and then they you know have a pelvic touching moment and then we see derek walking up like he's what left and he's coming back and from behind i actually think it's the actor the british actor 
because he has very distinct shoulders. He has this like real slopey shoulders. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh no, it's that guy. And then when we came back, it was Derek. And so I think who she actually had sex with was British guy and not Derek because he's like, you honor me, which again, we just talked about this in coming 81 kilo. That's sexual assault. So she's like, oh no, I got to, I got it. She dumps into the pond like, ugh, so gross. So she gets out and there's drama rain, literal rain, dramatic rain. And she walks through the woods and we end up with this cool transition where she's walking and then she sees a white wall and then she's at a gate, like the gate to her house. And she turns around and she's no longer at the pond. She's standing beside the road in front of her house. And so she ends up going into her house, but she lives in a castle, I guess, because she's the descendant of Elizabeth Battery and... Um, she could not live in new houses. I'm an old, I'm an of an old family. I cannot live in new houses. Uh, actually, in the book, he says to live in an old house in a new house would kill me. So she goes to home and she's like, oh, "How long was I gone?" And her little maid lady is like, "I don't know, like an hour. I don't know. You just left." So she goes to take a shower, and of course, it's a blood shower. Of course. And earlier, she tried to eat a chicken leg, and it was a blood chicken leg. <laughs> Because they're like, drink blood, drink blood. Because if they can get her to drink blood, then they can awaken the thirst, the thirst. Right, they the thirst, thirst. Uh, so this it. is the cycle of stress, and then relief. relief, and then every time there's a relief situation, there's blood in it. Yeah. So they're trying to associate. They're trying to generate a positive association. With blood in her mind. Yeah. It will save her kind of thing. But she fights it hard. Yeah. So they end up, okay, shower blood, not good. So she goes to leave. She finds, she ends up going back in time to when she's a child. And then it starts to kind of go off the rails. She's an adult again, but she's in the same dress as she was as a child. They do a really good job. Yeah, this is all really cool. It kind of reminded me. childhood reversion. Yeah. Transitions. It kind of reminded me of the uh, end of 2001 A Space Odyssey, which is the mm. only 15 minutes of the movie that I enjoy. <laughs> and it's the scene where, like, he looks over and he's old on the bed, and then he's the guy in the bed. Like, he yeah. just keeps transitioning between these different things. And that is really cool. And they did a really good job with that. I have to say that effects wise, this movie is fine. Story wise, this movie is fine. It just didn't end how I wanted it to end. Because we find Lori, and, which is her her maid lady and she's like oh my god thank god i found you you can help me my hired help and um she's melting and then this whole scene I like, is in the credits so cool. there was wax figure and one person <laughs> <laughs> they did a good job yeah. and then we get the the like whole the room monster tilting. outside the room thing yes and then they go like the wall pushes that was out and plaster that was really off. good that was really special cool. effects wise yeah that was all cool that was this was such a cool scene in this movie, and it's supposed to be like she's completely unraveling. Everything is unraveling, and this is when you're like, "This is what is I happening?" I think the oldest movie that I'm aware of the year that it was made, where they had a room where, like, on the set, you had this box with There's a room one in, in the fifties. Oh, where it physically tilts. Yeah, he's dancing, and he ends up dancing all the way around. Oh, the room. okay, yeah, yeah. And I haven't watched those musical oh. dancing movies. <laughs> I don't do like dancing. I, mean, and I, music I do. I like musicals. Stuff. I just haven't watched like the tap dance. Yeah, dramas. That whole um, are we stage productions or are we movies era? Maybe someday we'll do that. So we get it's really cool this whole scene, and then ultimately she gets a cup of blood and she drinks it, and then like the monster goes away and everything is quiet and there's light. And she's finally relieved because she's finally drunk this cup of blood. And then we cut to them like watching her on a screen, which means this is actually happening. They have like a room. Right. I thought that was really cool that we establish through all of these like really crazy scenarios. This is all intentional. This room actually exists. Yeah. They actually created a replica of a room in her house for her to have this fever Bang. dream in yeah and then it turns out that was real the yeah. banging on the wall was real the breaking out the the plaster on the wall was real. real the room tilting was real 
Well, maybe the room tilting wasn't real. I don't know. Yeah. But, I mean, but the furniture and stuff blurs is all the line and sli- it's cool. Around, it's yeah. cool. And then we see her on the video in the background and there's like blood pouring down the wall and she's like cupping her hand under the blood and drinking it in the background. As Dolores Umbridge. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, ha we're successful. <laughs> and then, of course, Dr. Frazier is like, yes, but will we win her respect? And then we cut to, okay, so... Through all of this, we've met a couple of the blood cows, and we saw one get exsanguinated with this, like, tube thing that you suction to their neck. (laughs) I was like, okay, whatever that is. And then we find out that the guy who helped her, like, the he didn't help her, but the guy whose truck she stole, he gets exsanguinated because there's no greater honor for a blood cow than to be completely exsanguinated. Apparently. Apparently. And then she saw some kind of ritual where the lady puts in these metal, <laughs> what did I call them? Removable vampire knife, knife teeth. Knife teeth. And then she like has red glowing eyes, which I could have almost done without. It's fine. I right. mean, it's I think hokey. This, this movie is a little bit better. It, either, either no supernatural implications yeah or just go full in blood goddess i think we could have gone we don't know if these people are actually actually supernatural or if they are just aristocrats (laughs) because at one point the guy's like the drinking of another person's blood is the most aristocratic aristocratic of all actions (laughs) i couldn't get that out where you're not just exploiting somebody's time or money yeah you're exploiting now them you're, personally like you're their exploiting physical them body. for their like consuming their body yeah yeah i think if we'd left it at that it would have been a better movie mm-hmm. but we see the lady's eyes glow and so of course now we're going to repeat this whole thing again except the person who's going to do it is going to be i think her name's kate it's going to be kate and so kate this is where the, it lost me because Kate like zombie walks down the stairs. It's the guy on the table is a guy that she actually talked to and made a connection with. And he tucks to the left because he's just wearing like a silk cover sheet over his hips. And she ends up, I don't know, they put the like knife teeth in her mouth and she bites the guy and they're like, ha we've got her. And so apparently they send her home and they're like, the indoctrination works here, but will it work at home too? But she appears to have forgotten everything that happened. And then she somehow kills her secretary. And then her boyfriend comes over, Derek. And she's like, Derek, I had a nightmare. Hold me. And then she wakes up and she's biting Derek. And she has the teeth in again because I guess she took them home with her. I don't know. Do they like carry him in well, their pocket? And there's a scene <laughs> where she has like the, the pewter goblet yeah. in her kitchen. And so she goes to her fridge and she pulls out the milk carton, and it's the same milk carton that they fill at the dairy farm. Yeah. The blood cow dairy farm. She pours it out, and, and it's, it's just, just milk. milk. And I I thought, is it actually just milk? Because she says before that that she doesn't have an appetite for anything. Yeah. So it's like, okay, she's been indoctrinated to, like, at a fundamental level – she doesn't crave food anymore. She craves blood. Yeah. Which is a neat psychological trick. Okay. Okay. Let's keep going with it. She goes to the kitchen. She sees the cup and, you know, subconscious hook. Oh, I need to, like, now I, I want to drink something. Yeah. Okay. Let's go get a drink. We have the milk carton from the farm. She pours it out. It looks like milk. Is it actually just milk or is it, is her mind making the blood look like milk? Right. So that she's still deluding herself. We don't know. Of the reality of blood drinking. Yeah. But she tries to drink it and she spits it out. Yeah, it's just milk. It Because it's just milk. Milk is not what she wants. And that's when she kills her secretary. Okay. So she has this unconscious compulsion a thirst to a thirst unconscious thirst for blood mm-hmm. okay but then i guess she forgets that she bit her secretary um because then she's in bed with 
Derek. Well, she's confused. That's what they say. They're like, it didn't work. She's confused and delusional. And so they bring her back. And they kidnap Derek because she bit Derek. So she like revealed herself to Derek. And so they bring Derek back. And then Dr. Frazier ends up, you know, all along he's been our sympathetic character. So he's like, I'm going to get you out of here. And she's like, okay, but I can't leave without Derek. His mustache is unparalleled. And I must have it back. And he's like, fine. I mean, I could grow a mustache, but okay. And so he's like, he's in this cabin in the woods. I'm going to go get him. You go here. Yeah, I'm going to help you escape, but I need to go like cause a distraction so that you have time to get out. Yeah. Here's, there's a whole plan. We're going to execute the plan. Let's do this. And I'm going to get you out of here because I respect you as a person and I don't like the injustice that's being done to you by these unfeeling I may be a vampire, but I'm still a good guy. (laughs) I may be a bad guy, but I'm not a bad Bad guy. guy. (laughs) So he gets her out and he goes to get Derek and he's like, Derek, come with me. Oh, and he's like, oh, thank you for helping us. And he's like, I'm not helping you. I'm helping Kate. And so they kind of escape. And in the process, they kill Dolores Umbridge. She falls in the sterilization container, which is just open on the top. It's not, it's not how sterilization works. And she ends up clogging the pipe. And they're like, oh, there's a clog. And so they try to get Dr. Frazier to stay because they're like, there's a clog. You need to stay. And he's like, oh, I'll be back in five minutes. So, so he leaves. And he's in a helicopter getting ready to take off. And the one guy whose name I forgot, but I he just looks so strange. <laughs> he's very distinct looking. I couldn't... Couldn't put my finger on like why does he look so weird? But he just looks so weird. But he like clings to the bottom of the helicopter, and then he ends up falling, and he falls on the electrical wires, and he like gets cooked <laughs> or whatever. I don't know what's happening. And then they escape in this helicopter, and they get to this spot, and apparently Derek is waiting for them there. I don't know how he got there if they had to travel there by helicopter, but it's cool. And so she's walking down. She's like, Derek. And we're going down, further down, deeper into this into this basement. And there's rats. And she's like, Derek. And then she turns the light on. And Derek is being exsanguinated with the exsanguination machine. Yep. And Dr. Frazier is like, and no one will get to drink any of his blood but you. That's not, that's not why she wanted Derek. He, she needs the blood in there for the good parts right, to put, work. Put that back. <laughs> put that back. She's like, stop it. Turn it off. And so he turns it off. And she, like, pushes him away. And so he walks away, and he ends up pulling his tie back over because it's gotten flicked over his shoulder. And he turns around, and he has his vampire removable right. he, knife teeth He in. has his arms up. It's like, oh, he's doing something with his hand and his mouth. Yeah. He's putting his fangs in. Okay. What's he going to do yeah. with those? So he just slow walks back over to her, and she's like, no, don't. Stop. Don't do it. Let me be one of you. Give me another chance. I choose you guys. I am one of you. Fuck Derek. Fuck Derek. I like you better, Dr. Frazier. I like you better. I'm so sorry. And then he ends up biting her. (laughs) She could have run away at any point. It was like the steamroller scene from Austin Powers where she's like, don't. Stop. Right. Even here, I was like, okay, she's internally like finally taking down that last barrier to, yeah. to yeah, whatever is within her. And just as you know, Fraser comes in, she's going to finally break down that last wall and the blood goddess is going to come out. Let's do this. And we're going to have nope. just a quick, like she's like explodes him into a, a bubble of gore and literally anything. And then we see her walking out of the room covered like, like and then cut to POV of the colony, the yeah. commune. Great. Like that little like 10 second clip would have wrapped up yeah. the plot. But no, but no, she just does. And when she was walking well, I don't down think the she stairs, dies. I think he just bites her, and then they cut back to the room, and they're like, "See, the psychological manipulation works. She's admitted she's one of us. We're through now." Oh, you think that was it? Like they finally got her now? Yeah, that was the whole purpose. Because we we zoom out and we're watching a screen of him doing that, and they're like, "Haha, we did it." We I got thought, her. I thought he decided she like the 
the indoctrination failed, and so they need to dispose of her. No. No, that was the oh. final. That was the final step in the manipul in the manipulation. That's okay. What they so when she was walking down the stairs, getting ready to bite David, yeah, I thought, is this going to be a tragedy? Like we've we know this movie is going to be a tragedy. Yeah. So like fundamentally, something bad happens and it gets better is a comedy. Something bad happens and it doesn't get better is a tragedy. Is this going to be a tragedy for Kate? Or is this going to be a tragedy for Kate and the Brotherhood? Right. And so even up until the end, I'm like, I hope this is also a tragedy for the Brotherhood. But it's just a tragedy for Kate. Yeah. The Brotherhood wins. Yeah, the Brotherhood wins. And the, she joins them. That's the thing at the end. They didn't okay. want her to die. They just wanted her to completely submit. That way they could earn her respect and she could be a member of their whatever. Plus, look at who actually died were the two people that couldn't seem to, like, toe the party line. Yeah. Dolores Umbridge and Weirdface, they both died. And they were the ones that were conspiring behind Dr. Fraser's back. And they kept fucking up the psychological manipulation. Gotcha. Yeah. So it was a way of eliminating the two people that were problematic and completing her indoctrination so that she fully admitted she was one of them. And she wanted to be one of them. Right. She had... Give me another chance. I'm one of you. I swear. Okay. I think if we'd seen, like, another clip of her... Literally anything after else. After the scene... Yeah. It would have made that more obvious. Right. Because I thought she died. I thought it was, like, a cleanup yeah. effort. Like, this whole endeavor is a failure we're aborting it cleaning up no i don't think that's what we're supposed to get okay i think she's we're supposed to get ultimate submission it worked i don't know i want to see this movie remade this whole idea redone i want you to take out i mean it's fine it's good it's like any other movie it's okay i mean uh, i wasn't bored it felt 18 hours long. I don't know how it was only an hour and a half long. I am incredulous that it was actually an hour and a half long. I think something happens in the middle there and time stops moving. And then you, I don't know. It was so long and it's fine for what it is. And I think if you watched it again and you see all of the little things that happened throughout it, because what we're supposed to get is we don't know when this, when the manipulation started. Right. Because we... remember they're watching her for a long time beforehand. Because that right. guy comes They've back and been reports. Investigating her. Yeah. Uh, she asks her secretary how long Lori has been working for her. Right. And she says for a year. I don't know how long she's been with Derek. Right. But I have one thought is that Derek was a or is like the whole time yeah. a blood cow. Well, he's also an Ooh. architect. I think he's just a means of getting to her. Okay. Yeah. But I want to see this redone in and make it more like the game, where the game is this beautiful... The game with Michael Douglas. Yeah. It's this beautiful, you don't know what's real and what's not real. And in the end, you have no idea. And it's perfect. I used to have this on VHS. And <laughs> every couple months, it's good. I would rewatch it. It's I've seen that movie. movie. It's compelling because you want to keep watching it because you want to try to figure it out. You want to yes. try to figure out where it starts and what's real and what actually happens. And I think like at the very beginning, she brings home her groceries and the milk container falls and the milk container has blood in it. Right. And so she goes to clean it up and she pauses and she's getting ready to put her finger in her mouth covered in blood. Right. Like, what is this stuff? No, it's like a, ooh, yeah. Right, because I think at first it. she's like, what is it? And so she's like looking at it on her finger and then she's like, hmm. Yeah. Let, let me get a sip of that. Yeah, so she's, I mean, I don't know why we didn't ease her in. Like, I, I want it to be more of like, okay, well, you know, we have that moment where she almost drinks it off her finger and then like somebody shows up and they gain her trust. And like, I want it to be over time. So you don't know where the manipulation starts. Right. And instead of like, oh, you know where the manipulation started. It's where she gets drugged and kidnapped and taken to the facility. <laughs> and then they're like, wow, God, why are you so mad about it? <laughs> like, you know, it just feels so heavy handed. I want it to not feel so heavy handed. And then I want you to take, I want the, 
I want left ambiguous whether they're supernatural or not. Because every time they're getting ready to use their fangs, apparently their eyes must glow red and they must blink three times Mm -hmm. as part of the process. Um, And I think it's a fine movie. I think it's worth checking out and watching at least once, maybe twice. Um, I think everybody did a really good job in it. I think we just, as 2023 people, we want her to be emancipated. We want this to be ready or not where she fights back the entire Right, The mythological trope is generally applied as like a analogy for the danger, the perceived danger of the liberated woman. Yeah. Uh, good. Let's go for it. I'm yeah. here for it. Like that would have been fucking brilliant. Her going through all of this, them thinking they've completely broken her down. And ultimately all they did was piss her off. I'm here for that movie. Not, yeah. no, I really do want to be one of you. It just seems so nice. Over there where you guys don't get drugged and kidnapped <laughs> and almost killed. <laughs> and you've killed so many people that I know and I don't know. It's all and right. I thought another interesting angle on this would be to get some some implication that other like active leaders of the group. Yeah also had to go through this indoctrination process. Correct. That would have been really good. I mean, we got so many, some cool scenes. The scene where the vampires are touring the dairy farm and they're tourists at the dairy farm and the guy takes the camera out and takes a picture of the, the person hooked up to the like milking machine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's pretty fucking funny. That whole scene was really yes, funny. Yes, the, the vampire elite from all over the yeah. world. I want them to just whoop dunk all the way into that. The... Yeah. This type of life is so normalized for these people. And we don't know if it's because they're actually vampires or if just because they're rich people. <laughs> I just wanted that to be the movie. And I think that would have been a brilliant movie, but I just don't think it could decide what it wanted to be. Yeah. And they were trying to shoehorn this Elizabeth Battery plot into it, which was all right. But And it was a nice relief from Dracula, to be honest. <laughs> it's like, oh, look, no Dracula. Thank God. Thank God. I think we have one more that's not Dracula, and then whoop, we'll be right back into Dracula again. So just thank goodness it was finally a different adaptation. Although it still wasn't because they were like, you're descended of Elizabeth Battery. They shut their tone, threw it over their shoulder, and never discussed it again. They're like, well, that's out of the way. Now we can move on with, with trying to get you to be a part of us. And because we don't see what makes her different, the motivations are so unclear. Yeah, Is she more powerful? Is she... Is it just because, like, the right, street if, if we had just, like, two more just, like, candid conversations between members of the vampire elite yeah. group discussing, like, oh, like, I can't wait to see what she does because... She's blah, blah, blah. Because her history, yeah. her biology, whatever. Yeah. There, there was just so much hoopla yeah. about like, yeah, we got to get her, but we got to get her on our side. Like we got to get her on our side and she's got to like us when we're done because dot, 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 because she's going to whine you to death. I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't. They're like, OK, we've got her, but is she going to respect us? Well, who the fuck cares? You drugged her, raped her and psychologically manipulated her into Stockholm Syndrome loving all of you. And now you're worried about whether or not she respects you. Why are you worried she's going to wake up someday and design a color of lipstick that doesn't go with your shirt? I don't understand because she's a makeup lady. We find out for like one brief conversation. But I I just wanted her to have a a reason. I wanted her to have a purpose. I wanted this whole thing to have a purpose. Why her? Except the fact that she's Elizabeth Battery. And it just feels like a missed opportunity. We could have added 20 minutes to this movie. We could have had a little bit more slice of life at the beginning. We could have had a little bit more clear clarity of motivation. And it's a great movie. 20 minutes longer. And this movie is a great movie. Yeah. 20 minutes longer and just a few little side pieces of information. Yeah. Either 20 minutes longer or cut down some of her walking around in a sundress. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think we went... Serious vampire movie, serious vampire movie, disco vampires, vampire German sex comedy. And then we went 
whatever this is. Another serious vampire movie, but not quite a serious vampire movie, but not quite a vampire movie. I don't know. I think they were going for psychological horror. Yeah. But they were also going for supernatural horror. And it ended up being a mediocre offering of both. Yes. Yeah. You either need to make it so and make the supernatural aspect so ambiguous that the the ambiguity generates conversation. Yeah. Like we've been talking about here. Or you lean so hard into it that the mechanisms of the supernatural whatever. Yeah. Um, are part of the plot. I mean, we opened with her in a coffin. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Did they turn her into a vampire? And now this is like her descent into madness. I'm here for this. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, that's not what happened. It was okay. Into that. We're being hard on it now because we've been talking about it for so long. But if you watch this movie, it's not a bad movie. It's an okay movie. It's fine. For what it is, it's fine. Um. It doesn't, it's just the my only quibble is the ending and that's personal taste. I just want her to find her freedom and burn the whole shit down, but she doesn't do it. Nah, okay. I didn't write it, so. Yeah. Or um, or even just clarifying at the very end that. She ain't dead. Oh, like she's not dead. Like, okay, the indoctrination is complete. Yeah. Right? I, I wanted a little twist of awakening the blood goddess and they mm, all get destroyed. Yeah. And that would have been a like wrap up. Uh, yeah. The ending, but because she's getting bitten, and then we get this maybe they intended ambiguous to have a conversation. Sequel. Maybe they maybe the ending was supposed to be ambiguous, where she destroys them from the inside out. Maybe because she's this super powerful, cool, independent woman, and they make a big deal out of it. They're like, "Oh, she's so independent. She's so opinionated. She's such a modern woman. This is going to be really hard." Right. Another point where I. I thought, okay, this is the moment was when she was about to bite David. Yeah. She looks down and she faints. Yeah. And I thought, oh, all of their, like, yeah. she recognizes him. She has, like, maybe they probably didn't know that she'd had a, like, an actual conversation with this guy. Right. And so when she sees him there, she recognizes him and that snaps her out of all the yeah. stuff they've been doing to her. And okay, now she's going to be enraged or whatever because now she's completely aware of all the manipulation. But no. Nah. But no. No. Oh, she bit him. Yeah. Um, I think if we'd watched this in 1979, this was a great movie. In fact, it was considered extremely commercial. They were expecting it to have a lot of international success. I think it's just our 2023 expectations that are getting in the way. I think yeah. otherwise, this is a fine movie. We just want the female character to be more than she is. And it's 1979. And for 1979, she's an extremely liberated female character. Yeah. She's a she's independently wealthy. She lives on her own. She's got a side piece with a mustache that she bangs on a fur rug in front of a fireplace on the regular three times a week, according to their intelligence. <laughs> and... I think she's living her best life and they pluck her out of it and it's a tragedy. And I think that's what we're supposed to see. Um, she already was powerful. She already was independent. She already was free. And in, to make her free and immortal, they took all that away from her. And I think that's ultimately supposed to be what we get from it. It's just that our 2023 expectation of like flashbang, Blitzkrieg, Smackdown ending is what we're waiting for and we don't get. And so that push yeah. and pull of expectation is what oh, yeah. makes it, this it, movie less. It's definitely the contrast of the 1979 viewer sensibilities yeah. versus 2023 viewer sensibilities. This is why some movies, we've talked about this and some of the other ones, like the survivorship bias, where we see movies from the 70s and we're like, oh, they're fine. They're just filmed on lower quality cameras or the sound sounds a little bit different or the special right. effects look like 70s special effects, but they're the same as our movies. Well, no. Because it's the only ones that we're exposed to are the ones that are still successful. Correct. And it, that ultimately leads to a skewed perspective of what movies from this time are like. Well, they're like our movies. They're just, they're just, the, there's no CG. Oh, okay. Well, not really. Sometimes there's different expectations. Sometimes there's so like social differences. This movie is 50 years old, roughly. It's 50 yeah. years old. That's that's a long time. My mom was 20 when this came out. 
Yeah. 30, actually. But, I mean, so this is the world that our parents grew up in or our grandparents grew up in. It is not our world. And even though people essentially look the same, values and expectations, especially values and expectations for entertainment, were entirely different. And I think that's what we're getting. We're getting a really good snapshot in these eight movies of the variety of expectations for movies in the 70s. Yeah. We've gone all the way from 1979, Franklin Gella Dracula, which really still holds up today because it felt fast paced in the 70s, to Love at First Bite, which is still pretty fucking funny, but has so many pop culture references that are either borderline uncomfortable or ungraspable. And it's still funny, but it's not maybe as aged as well as some of the other ones, to our mid ones, which, oh my God, what the fuck? They did not hate them at all. I don't know what's happening. We had like vampire only fans. We had disco vampires. And I, th- I think it's representative or a useful scale for, I guess, that trends in the same direction with how we feel about the movies. Yeah. Is how easy is it to still get a copy of this movie? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Because the ones in the middle, almost impossible. I had to purchase them. Yeah. You had to browse like eBay and niche (laughs) internet DVD (laughs) sites to find hard copies of these movies. Whereas like Frank Langella's Dracula was on Amazon. Yeah. I just bought it on Amazon. Yeah. Same with actually Love at First Bite I had to buy. Love at First Bite I had to buy. And then um, Nosferatu the Vampire, the Werner Herzog. We're really fucking sewers vampires. Um, he was on Amazon. And then but the rest. Werner Herzog is still hot right now. Yeah, he's still hot right now. Even though it looked like a screensaver. <laughs> it's like <laughs> half long screensaver. We watched that one movie, was it Samsara? Where it's just. Oh, yes. Yeah. Snippets. A non narrative documentary. Yeah. Isn't it from the 70s? It was uh, the 90s. Oh, there was, okay. There was Baraka. Yeah. And that was the first one. And then I think it was the same group did another one called Samsara. But the the kind of innovative thing they did there was they were using this like experimental film that was much higher resolution than um, than the standard film. Yeah. And so their their goal was to use this film to get the highest definition capture of these snippets. And then as the, the digital like digitization process got better over time, the film would be able to provide full quality digitization at 1080p 4k 8K. It was almost I, more entertaining than Nosferatu the Vampire, and there's not even dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> ah, so that's another 1979 vampire movie under our belt. We are going to move into a far more mainstream movie now, Salem's Lot. Yep. Everybody knows it. Apparently everybody still knows it because I'm on I've had to put it on hold at the library. Oh. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. All right. Well, I'm like four back. What is this? This came out in like the 70s. <laughs> That's not the thing. Like I shouldn't have to put this on hold. Here I am on hold for Salem Slot so I can read it. And I just thought that was really interesting. But we're moving into that now. And then we will discuss that. And that will be even more fun because I love breaking apart Stephen King. So that'll be entertaining. Salem Slot and Vlad Tepish, not generic names. Ah, look at that. That's correct. So, well, I guess maybe Vlad Tepish is because it's Dracula's name. But if you if you look up Vlad Tepish movie. Ah, yeah, it popped up. And I think it's actually more of a documentary. So that's going to be really interesting. So I guess we'll just leave it at that. Um, do go check out Thirst. I think it's interesting to watch. Some things, even though they're not great, are good to watch just for the conversational value of having watched them. Yeah. And I definitely feel like this is one of those. Yeah. Yeah. So remember... Sometimes the strangest things are the most beautiful, too. So be who you are and love what you love. Until next time, friends. Bye. Bye.